Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. And welcome back into a brand new episode of Franchise Players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. Got Hot Rod Thunderbird, Brandon Blakeney in the house with me. Uh, guys, we've been going through different divisions. Uh, we started our annual uh, NFL division previews. Uh, we've we've done some already. I wanted to get – you guys are going to have the NFC. So uh, each week you guys are going to be tackling a, a division in the NFC. We're going to start off. With Rod's favorite division, the NFC. I was about to say, missed a chance to talk about them Cowboys. <laughs> you know, I had to go. You know, I had to start about them first. Uh, lots of storylines going on here, but uh, just right off the top of, uh, I keep hearing people talking about how uh, the Redskins are going to be uh, in this. They're going to have. They're going to have something to say about what's going on here. Um, do you guys believe that or no? Because I don't know if I really believe it or not. Like I feel like they got too many people that don't want to get vaccine. The, to do anything I mean, <laughs> by the time it's all over. <laughs> well, well, I'm not really looking at the vaccine part, Des, but just from a standpoint of organizational leadership, we start with Ron Rivera. Let me tell you something. I think the Carolina Panthers made a huge mistake in letting Ron Rivera go. I could be absolutely wrong. I just believe they made a mistake. He's gone to the skins. His, fir- his first year at the skins, he's developed a heck of a, I mean, heck of a defensive line. And defense is his game. That's what Ron Rivera is all about, defense. And you know my theory, when it gets late in the season or even late in the division, defense is going to win it for you because if the other team can't score, you're going to have some issues. And also on top of that, that behind that defensive line, they picked up a great draft pick out of Kentucky by the name of, I think his name is, is it Jamin Smith or Jamin, what was his last name? Um, but he's the linebacker, and I'm going to be honest with you. He reminds me of the old linebacker from the Carolina Panthers, the way he moves, the one that they just uh, that just retired. And oh, I'm drawing uh, a mind blank. Nope, Luke, the other one. Um, oh, Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis. He reminds me of Thomas oh, Davis, wow. the way he moves. Yes, he does. And he's going to be back behind this defensive line that Ron Rivera has created. The only issue with the Redskins that I'm going to see is offense. How many points can they score? You know, who's going to be at the helm? Who's going to be the quarterback with the Redskins? But if their defense can keep them in there, they're going to scare every single team in the NFC every single week. I'm telling you, that defense, as as long as the defense can hold you in there, you have got a shot. Tim Tebow would tell you that when he was playing in Denver. You know, he couldn't score anything to the fourth quarter. <laughs> but guess what? The defense has kept it close for him the whole time. And he wound up beating who? The Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. Man, that was the best season to have uh, red zone. 
that was the one year I had red zone was when Tebow was playing in Denver. And it was like, as soon as it got to the fourth quarter, you just knew, <laughs> you just knew something <laughs> crazy was about to happen. And I'd flip over to CBS or whatever. I'm like, let me see what's going on with Denver and, and Tebow. And he would never fail ever. It felt like every time in the fourth quarter, he'd do something crazy to win. And it would be something that wasn't athletic or something you wanted to emulate. <laughs> It'd just be something <laughs> crazy to happen that Tebow was in the middle of and he won. Um, I, I used to be a Redskins fan. I've told the story. And I, uh, football team. I used to be a Washington football team fan. And uh, I hold a still a special place in my heart for him to a certain extent. And I love Ron Rivera. Everybody knows I'm on record for how much I love Ron Rivera. I'm really upset with some of the Redskins on the team for putting him in danger. Because if you haven't been following the, the headlines, the Redskins are one of the teams that lead the league in, in unvaccinated players. And Rivera's coming off of uh, battling cancer. So he's immunocompromised. And for uh, for players to be like, well, it's still my body, my choice, and all this kind of stuff, that's all well and good. But the NFL, they're, they're not saying you've got to get this vaccine, but they're going to penalize you if you don't. And I think, I think players are thinking that's unfair, but it is what it is. This is your workplace. Your workplace, you can say whatever you want. That don't mean that your work can't fire you for whatever you said. You're, right. you're allowed to say it, but that don't mean you're free to say whatever without consequences or do whatever. And I just can't get past how some of these players on some of these teams, it's like the culture within the team has invaded. And the NFL has basically said, if you don't have enough guys at a certain position group or you've got enough people that are in quarantine or something on a certain week during the regular season, we may force you to forfeit the game. So players are actually taking this and and primarily costing their, they're going to cost their teams games. It's going to be a competitive advantage for the teams that have the most people vaccinated because they're going to have the least amount of infections. So it's I, I don't know about the Redskins yet because of that one thing. They don't seem like at the end they're going to be very united. I hate to do it because I feel like we do it every year, but I'm kind of picking Dallas. Like I'm just looking at what they have. Can they stop anybody? Can Dallas' defense stop anybody, Rob? Because <laughs> that's what I want to know. That seems like that's going to be their <laughs> issue. Can they stop well, anybody? I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. Our defense, when it comes to our defense, we don't really – we're rebuilding right now. I think we have a pretty decent defensive line. I think that we um, – our linebackers were compromised last year. And Smith, Vanderbosch, yeah. Vanderess, excuse me. I mean, their health-wise, they were off the field, which is why we had to go and get the linebacker from Penn State. Um, hopefully, he's going to be able to help us. Uh, Brown has probably been the most – the corner that we've had the longest there, and he's going to be fighting uh, probably for – excuse me, corner – defensive back, but he's probably going to be fighting for the open corner slot because uh, we do will have one corner slot that's open. And I think with the um, Seahawks, old defensive coordinator in coming in, it is very possible that our defense will be able to stop somebody, but this is his first year. And then we got to figure out how the Cowboys on defense are going to mesh with the coach, with another, as well as the big issue, Jerry Jones. Again, I have said this many, many, many times, Desmond. You cannot hire a head coach and not allow him to pick his full staff and yeah, expect there to right. be cohesion inside of that team. You just cannot expect it, you know, because they have a history, a head coach working with all his coordinators. They have a history of working together. They know what each other is thinking. You got new guys coming in. You can't really jail. 
And and that is the only thing that is really bothering me. And Jerry Jones has finally gone on record that he wish he hadn't screwed up the relationship with Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if I you guys that. heard that or not. I did. I saw yep. that. Yeah. Yep. I, and I expect uh, Jerry to come out with that. And you know, he's had some time to think about it because, you know, how long has it been now? 27 years, 28 years, something like that. Yep. Since Just call it 30. Go on and call it 30. The dirty <laughs> yeah, 30. Wanna, I don't want to put that on. Yeah. I want to add extra years if they, if they didn't need to be there. But man, uh, it is what it is. I mean, people forget, man, Dak was throwing for 450 yards a game before oh, yeah. he hurt his ankle last year. Like, he was he was on another level. M- uh, MVP was. numbers. Hey, yeah, yeah, but, the, really but the problem was what you just stated. The defense couldn't stop anybody. Uh, yeah, they were going back and forth uh, with a lot of teams. And then when Dak got hurt, the bottom just kind of fell out. Plus, they had offensive line. I mean, Tyron Smith got hurt. Lel Collins got hurt. Zach, Mil- uh, Zach Martin got hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other that's thing. Is. I mean, if, if those offensive linemen can stay healthy, protect Dak Prescott. He's got a healthy C.D. Lamb to throw to. He's got a healthy Kids Amari Cooper to throw to. Yeah, yep. he's – I mean, he's got – I mean, he's got Hatcher to throw to. I mean, yeah. we are going to have a great offense if everybody stays healthy. The question, I think, is going to be on defense. I what think, up, too, up? man, Zeke Elliott, it seems like his – this he's offense is just sending him. Man, yeah. it, it feels like he's coming in with something to prove. People kind of have put, put an afterthought on him a bit. Well, yeah. he's coming in with something to prove on two uh, faucets. And the first one is – he was a shell of himself once Dak went down, and he's got to prove that he is the athlete that he was paid to be. And then the other part is he is about up. that contract he is about up, and now he needs to play for a new contract. And you know, once these guys start playing for that money in football, you'll see a whole nother level because it's like once he got that ninety million, he turned into sweet Peter Jeter. I don't know what happened to him. I think too. I was going to say, too, I think with Bernard Pollard breathing down his neck, too, I think that might be a little inspiration, too. What uh, what are your thoughts on the Eagles? Uh, rookie head coach, looks like Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback. They've made some additions, uh, but, I mean, do you think they can contend in the East at all? Or is this really going to come down to uh, can Dallas outscore everybody or can the the Washington football team hold everybody down? Because I think the, the Washington football team has the best defense in the league, I would think, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they're like a top five, top 10 unit. Um, I just, oh, I don't absolutely. know. I, I don't want to pick the Cowboys because every time I feel like I pick the Cowboys, something happens and they don't win the division. Well, even worse than that, Dez, this year the Cowboys are going to be on hard knocks. Need I say any more? Oh, man. Isn't there like a hard, hard knocks curse or something? Yes. Yep, like the Madden curse. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's worse than the Madden curse. I think this is a big year for a, a lot of quarterbacks, though, especially in the East. With this is, I think this is the year Danny Dom is kind of like they they got Michael Gallup. He has the number one option now. I think this is like a prove it year for him too, as well. They got Saquon Barkley coming back. Um, I, I think this is kind of like a make or break year for him. So he'll have something to prove. Jalen Hurts been really slept on. I think you know he's getting his chance too, as well to. Prove themselves. So I think a lot of guys are going to come in trying to really do some big things this year, especially offensively. I I had to go and uh, <laughs> I went to go look up this hard knocks curse. I didn't. It's bad for coaches. Um, if you're basically <laughs> the hard knocks coach and curse. If you're a coach and your team gets on this show, uh, you're per, you're pretty much not going to have a job for too much longer. Uh, and it goes all the way back to 2001. Uh, the Ravens, the first one, yep. Ravens, Brian Billick, uh, coached the Ravens to a Super Bowl in 2000. 
they went 10 and six the year they actually did hard knocks. But then after that, he only had three winning seasons out of the next six and, and got fired. 2002, you might remember this name, Rod, Dave Campo, when Dallas was on oh, there. Yeah. Uh, oh, he yeah. was fired the year that he was the coach on Hard Knocks. They went, uh, they had had three consecutive 5 and 11 seasons. Uh, they took a break doing Hard Knocks and then came back. 2007, Kansas City Chiefs, Herm Edwards. Yep. Uh, they went 4 and 12, <laughs> the year of Hard Knocks. Um, he coached think, two wins in 08. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. This I is really two. Bad. That's what I'm saying. I can't even believe I can't even believe the Dallas Cowboys decided they would be on hard knocks. Like I'm tripping off that right now. I think the Rams were on there the year after they went to the Super Bowl too, as well. And yeah, I'm still I'm just flowing. Yeah, you remember the Raiders were on there? Atlanta Dallas. Falcons were on there. Yep. Dallas again in 08. Wade Phillips, he got fired. Uh 2009, Marvin Lewis, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, although that might not really count because he just the Bengals just didn't want to fire him for the longest, but uh, he just never did. 2010, the Jets, Rex Ryan, they were 11 oh, yeah. and five the year they were on Hard Knocks, and then they just went completely downhill after yep. they were on it. This doesn't look good for Mike McCarthy uh, and the Dallas Cowboys. Now that I'm reading through this, man, Dolphins, Joe Philbin, he got fired. 2012, yep. Marvin Lewis again, he's still there. Mike Smith, Atlanta Falcons, 2014. Yep. He got fired. <laughs> I mean, it's like every single one. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Houston Texans, 2015. Yep. We know what happened to him. Yep, Los Angeles Rams, 2016, Jeff Fisher. Good old 8-8 eight and eight Jeff Fisher. Uh, damn, that's a, he got fired in week 13 of the same season he was on Hard Knocks. Man, yep. <laughs> I'm telling you, and, and they got, they got uh, rid of Jerry you know, Golf right after that, too. They man. did. <laughs> Dirk yeah. I don't even remember Dirk Cotter, coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, 2017, and then Hugh Jackson, Cleveland Browns, 2018. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing that Dallas is on. Dallas has been on hard knocks, I think, more than any other team. But it never no. works out. It, it never, never works out. Not never. once. It, it feels like the talent is there for them. They it just got to, like Rod said, stay healthy. and Something's got to click for those guys. I think they can just almost if they can average 30 points a game, I think they can almost outscore everybody they're going to see. Yeah. But yeah. again, I feel funny picking them because I think I picked them last year yep. and, and I, the division wasn't very good. Uh, Washington won it with a seven and nine record. Yep. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I think like like you said, they got the most talent coming back. I think C.D. Lamb is a, a star. I think he's going to break out, have a thousand yard year this year as well. Oh, he definitely is. Yeah, I, I like, agree with I like you wholeheartedly, Brandon. So, so okay, let's go around here. Uh, NFC East. Are we are we picking the Cowboys here, or do, who do you think? Uh, let's start with you, Brandon. Who you got? Honestly, man, it's it's tough. I really think it's a two way street between the Reds or the Washington Football Team. I guess they don't have a name yet. I'm never gonna be able to get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I've already messed yeah. up like four times in this segment. <laughs> and, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate though. I'm gonna go. With the Giants, I think that this year they they have a lot of talent on offense. They spent or they spent a a lot of money. They get Sanquan Barkley back. They've retooled the offensive line. Uh, their defense isn't terrible. Uh, they're balanced, and I, I think I think they might surprise some people. Um, honestly, I feel it's it's hard betting on Danny Dimes. I'm not a believer in him, but I think nope. you know it, it. You know with Ingram there as well. I think this is the year where if you're going to do something, it has to be this year. I think Michael Gallup was a, a very big missing piece for those guys. 
Rod, uh, you going with your boys or are you, are you going another route here? Because you, you kind of yeah, I mean, shouldn't win it <laughs> with everything. Yeah, hard yeah. Hard. I mean, we but definitely lose. <laughs> we, yeah, we definitely should not win it. But like you said, Des, I mean, we're probably the team in the NFL that's been on hard knocks the most. I think so. And uh, <laughs> so I know Jerry Jones is used to it. He's definitely looking forward to it. I tell you what, it's definitely going to be a drama. It's going to be a football soap opera for you. That's for sure. So everybody will be tuned in to hard knocks. Um, I'm going to tell you what, them Washington um, football, that Washington football team, and I know I almost called them the Redskins. They're always going to be the Redskins to me, and I don't mean any offense yeah. to anybody, um, <laughs> you know, who's Native American or anything. I really don't mean any offense at all. I'm just used to saying the Washington, you know, skins, but like the, the Washington football, football team. team. Yeah, I don't like the name yeah. Washington football team. They got to come up with a name. I think Yeah, they got to come up with something. They definitely do. Anything. But, again, when you're talking about leadership, man, Ron Rivera – uh, he's the man. Like I said, the only missing thing is offense. And, and that's with he doesn't know if it's going to be Fitzpatrick or whoever's going to be his quarterback this year. You know, that's going to be the main missing puzzle uh, for the Washington football team. But whoo, I'm going to tell you what, it's hard to say. And I'm just going to go ahead and just go with the Cowboys anyway. <laughs> but I tell you what, the Washington team, man, don't be surprised if they come out strong and they really hurt some people because Ron Rivera is somebody you should not sleep on. Absolutely. I'm telling you, man. And I I'm think Chase you. Young leads the league in sacks this year, to be honest. I can you. see that. Uh, I can see that, too. Washington might have one of the better front fours in football with him, Ryan they Kerrigan. They did lose though. Ryan Kerrigan, though. Oh, they did lose? Oh, yeah, goal. they lost Kerrigan, yeah. Uh, they yeah. Rivera is one. I respect Rivera's defensive mind more than a lot of other coaches that are in the league. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Panthers typically always had a pretty good defense. They drafted defense well. Mm -hmm. They drafted defense first. That was actually one of the the, uh, the strikes against Rivera was that they never got Cam Newton any help. They were always drafting defensive guys. But that defense kept Carolina in a lot of games. The thing with Rivera is that he would have a good season and then a bad season. Good season, bad season. He never really mm -hmm. strung together mm -hmm. multiple win seasons, even though the Panthers won uh, three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back NFC South crowns. Right. One of those in the middle was the 7-8-1 and one Panthers that won the title, won the division with an under 500 record. Granted, one of those was the 15-1 and one Panthers that went all the way to the Super Bowl, and if they had won, in my opinion, would be considered a top-three team of all time, and that, that was Rivera's team. He built Absolutely. that. So, you know, I, I feel like Washington's got a lot. They're gonna they're gonna be in a lot of games because of their defense. Uh, I am a little curious about their offense and what they're gonna do. I have no idea who the starting running back is gonna be. Um, yeah, I mean Darius Dykes is out for the year for Washington. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, so I don't know who's gonna be doing that there. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's at quarterback, and you know about that Fitz magic. You don't know when it's gonna go down, but you know it's gonna happen oh, sometimes. Can he do it for a whole season? Is the question. Um, but, yeah, I'm going with Dallas, too. I just feel like they got so much talent on offense. And if that offensive line is healthy, then oh, we're going to see the reemergence uh, the re of 1,000-yard Zeke. Like, that line is what makes Zeke what he is in the NFL. Right. I mean, Zeke's look good in the offseason workouts, man. Honestly, he, he's put on a little muscle. He looks really motivated. Good, good. Because uh, I was having bad thoughts about him after he got that bag and then didn't really play so well the past two years, especially since he held out. He tried to be Emmett Smith and hold out, and Jerry just was like, "All right, here, just take, it. <laughs> just take the money, just take it." And then uh, him and Dak beat each well. other, man. Yeah, they do. They do. I, I want to see Dak Prescott succeed. I really do. From right. from that injury he had, and from to be a fourth round draft pick to now, he's the. I mean, he's the face of America's team. You know, that's like a dream that's for true. a lot of 
football players uh, to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and for them to finally give him his money. I hope he comes out and just kills it. Like, I hope he's I hope we get a Dallas Kansas City Super Bowl. I'd love to see Dak versus uh, Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl, like dueling each other with those offenses. That would be that would be fun. That'd be fun to watch. But as long as Tom Brady's breathing, uh, we got to play this thing out, I guess. So. Yeah, Dallas defense has got to step up in order for that to happen, Dez. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, that Tampa Bay Buck defense, buddy. That's the whole reason yeah. that the Tampa Bay Bucks did as well as they did under Jameis Winston. And, and honestly, looking back on that Super Bowl, if Kansas City's offensive line hadn't been so banged up, I'm pretty yeah. sure Pat Holmes would have been running for his life all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never seen him run for his life like he did in that Super Bowl. He was running every – it was like Tecmo Bowl, you know, like when you, when somebody would pick the play <laughs> and they all come running in. It yeah. was like that. <laughs> and, and he was still throwing doms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitting people in the chest, like while he's perpendicular in the air, <laughs> trying to avoid getting sacked, and the dude still drops it. Like that was, I told, uh, I, I talked to Aaron Gabriel like a week ago. He called me and we were talking, and I told him because he hasn't been on this show since the show before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where he was talking all that talk about Kansas City and what they were going to do. Then do disappear. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as that game was over, we ain't heard Aaron Gabriel since. He even on the show, he yeah. even on the network. <laughs> he was in mourning, man. He was in yeah, well, he had to be, and we tried to tell him that the defense of Tampa Bay was going to have a heck of a game. But you know he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. Man. Project Pat, he's going to be yeah. in there. I'm going to get. I'm going to get Aaron back on and, here. And, and they brought everybody back too. Yeah, and we might see Tampa and uh, Kansas City again, but. Every time, every year, they pick the Super Bowl winner to repeat. It feels like, and they never do. The last repeat champion we had was Tom Brady, of course. Oh three, oh four, Patriots, and that's almost twenty years ago. So, I mean, it's not so easy to repeat in the NFL. So, expect the unexpected. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, more franchise players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The specials never stop at Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. Every day, you get a large two-topping pizza for only $11.99. On Sunday, watch football and enjoy our large one-topping pizza and 10 wings for only $17.99. Plus lunch specials every day of the week. Blue Naples Pizza and Italian Restaurant, 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Welcome back to Franchise Players, your home for tried sports coverage here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. We are waist deep in preseason football, college, pro, and high school levels here in North Carolina, uh, continuing our series of ACC Big Four previews. Today, it's the Duke Blue Devils, and who better to have on than Stephen Wiseman? He is a uh, Duke beat writer for the Durham Herald Sun. You can follow him at Steve. Uh, excuse me, Steve Wiseman, NC, on Twitter. Steve, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Good, Desmond. How are you? It's time for football, huh? Something yes, I'm super excited with uh, football coming back here uh, at all levels, uh, trying to get back to a sense of uh, normalcy here. And we're going to start off with these Duke Blue Devils. Uh, some questions facing the Blue Devils as they go into the 2021 uh, fall season here. And again, we'll do our five big questions this week with Duke. So, uh, Steve, if you're ready to rock and roll, we'll go ahead and dive right in. 
I am. Uh, there's probably more than five, but we'll keep it to five. With the way this program's going, so. <laughs> so, uh, so number one, uh, the Blue Devils haven't gone seven and sixteen the past two seasons. Is Duke head coach David Cutcliffe on the hot seat, in your opinion? No, um, he would be in a, in a normal, not, not a normal, in another situation at a different school. But with, with what he's done. You know, rebuilding Duke's football program, getting them to all those bowl games in the last decade, uh, really making them relevant again in football. Um, he's built up enough goodwill, and I know the way that the university, the people over there feel about him, that whatever happens, he'll be able to go out on his own his own call that way. So um, now, if they go two and, you know, have another, uh, you know, two and ten season this year, they play 12 games, um, it's really going to be hard for them to, to keep it going. But, um, but I just know the way that he's thought of at the university uh, that nobody would like come to him and say, Hey, you know, we got to make a change here. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I'm a little curious about that. Cause I, I've seen in some circles that, you know, Oh, you might be on the hot seat this season. And I'm thinking, well, who would they bring in that would be better than David Cutcliffe at Duke, you know, for the situation, exactly. you know? So like, I'm not really sure where they would go um, if they decided to part ways with uh, coach Cutcliffe, but uh, we'll have to see here as the blue devils will uh, open the 2021 season here at the beginning of September. Uh, question number two for uh, beat writer, Steve Wiseman here from the Durham held sun. How good can junior quarterback Gunnar Hol- uh, Holenberg be is it, is it a marked improvement or a step back from former quarterback uh, Chase Bryce, who transferred to App State in the offseason? Well, I, I think it's going to be a marked improvement because I, I don't see how it could be a step back from last year <laughs> with all the <laughs> with all the turnovers and it was just a disaster of year of of offense. And Gunner has been in the program now. This is his fourth season. He was he was a redshirt year in 2018, which Daniel Jones was still the quarterback then. If you think about that. That's how long ago it was. Wow. He's had a couple of seasons with, with injuries. And and so, but again, he knows the system. He knows the program. He knows what's going on. He's healthy. Um, he's got the ability to to run the ball. They can have a little more running uh, quarterback part of the offense, which really wasn't the case with Chase at all. He was just kind of in the pocket. Um, so I, I think that, that he'll be – I mean, I – it would be hard to be like, again to be worse than last year. He has to be better than last year, and that that doesn't mean they're going to go out and, and go to a bowl game. But I think that that he will be better than last year. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, uh, uh, Gunnar Holmberg. For those that aren't uh, familiar with the redshirt junior um, that won the starting job here, he missed all of 2019 with a knee injury. Uh, he's played seven games over the past three seasons, so basically a clean slate. Uh, for uh, Holmberg coming in, have you had a chance to get a, uh, to to see him uh, in action? Any kind of scrimmages or anything so far, uh, Steve? No, they haven't. Um, we haven't gotten going yet with that. So um, I just know what I saw from him. You know, a little bit back in 2018 when he was a, a redshirt, and then because um, he played a little bit in the bowl game, Independence Bowl, and then last year, you know, he played uh, somewhat, you know, behind Chase in some of those blowout games. And frank, frankly, he could have gotten more playing time had he. Had he done better, you know, he turned the ball over a little bit too. He fumbled a couple times, and and he wasn't, uh, it wasn't great. So, um, but but I think that was part of him coming back from being hurt, and now he knows he's the guy. And so, um, I, I just know that 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 they love his athleticism and and his knowledge of the system. So, um, that that's what they're counting on. It better work. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Now. Uh, question number three, the Blue Devils finished 98th going over to the other side of the ball. Uh, they finished 98th in total defense uh, nationally last season. Um, 
we uh, who are some of the defensive players, uh, Steve, that Blue Devil fans and ACC fans should keep an eye on in 2021? Yeah, the the linebackers, Rocky Shelton and Shaka Hayward. Shaka Hayward especially uh, will be one of the keys. He'll he should be the leading tackler. That's the way the system's set up. They play a four-two-five with two linebackers, and the, the guy in the middle linebacker gets a lot of a, a lot of action. So uh, if he's not one of their better tacklers, then something's wrong. If if you know one of the guys in the backside are leading the tackles, that means that plays are getting too far down the field, right? So. Um, that's one guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, they've, they've got guys in the secondary that are back from – that were kind of banged up last year. But uh, Jalen Alexander, Jeremiah Lewis, Leonard Johnson, those are all defensive backs. You know, they, they play three safeties. They play two corners. Uh, those are guys to keep an eye on. Up front, you know, Ben Fry is a guy that's moving from the inside defensive tackle out to defensive end. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He, he's a tough player and – they have a lot. They lost a lot of talent on the defensive line, even though they were 98th in the country in total defense. That that's a, a conundrum right there. But um, they they need somebody to step up up front, and I think Ben Fry and a guy named Dwayne Carter, a redshirt sophomore, uh, should also be a guy that that'll make a difference up front. Now, uh, I was looking at the schedule, and uh, actually the schedule kind of sets up pretty nice for the Blue Devils. They don't have to play Clemson. Uh, they don't have NC State. And they don't have uh, Florida State this season. What game do you have circled on the schedule this year uh, as a as a marquee game for the Blue Devils, Steve? Well, I think it's um, the number the the third game of the year when they play Northwestern because hmm. um, you know I would say like North Carolina that's always the biggest game, right? And that is it's the first conference game. The game was so lopsided last year. I, I and I just don't see Duke being able to compete with North Carolina this year. I think North Carolina is clearly the better team, so I don't want to go to that. I'm going to go a little earlier and say they start off with Charlotte and then they play NCAAT the first two games. So then they play Northwestern and then they have Kansas. So they really need to go 3-1 and one at, at worst and 4-0 and and oh in, in non-conference if they want to try to get back to a bowl game. So to me, that Northwestern game is kind of a swing game there because if they can go 4-0, and oh, you know, then you only have to find two conference wins and, you, and you're in a bowl game. So, And that would be progress getting back to where they were. So um, of those four non-conference games, Northwestern is clearly the best team of those four. And and it's at home. Uh, so I just think that's a game we're going we're gonna to really know, you know, what if this program, this team is a lot better than last year. We will we'll actually have uh, the Duke versus North Carolina A&T game on Tobacco Road. Uh, that's Friday, September the 10th. Uh, at 8 p.m. kickoff. Uh, that's uh, through our uh, broadcasting with A&T. That pregame will start, if I'm not mistaken, at 7 p.m. Uh, that Friday night, September the 10th. So a huge game there early in the season for both Duke and North Carolina A&T, who's uh, moving up from the MEAC to the Big South this year. So both teams with a little something to prove early in the season. Uh, Stephen Wiseman on the line with me, beat writer for the Durham Herald Sun. Uh, you can catch his work on Twitter, actually, if you follow him, at Steve. Uh, Wiseman NC. Now, uh, a, a larger scale question I want to uh, pick your brain on, Steve, before I let you go. Uh, of course, college football is going through some upheavals right now. Um, pretty large on the, the overall scale. Looking at the entire college football landscape, first, uh, your thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. Uh, what, what were your initial reactions once uh, all this kind of came out 
actually during the ACC media uh, <laughs> operation kickoff last week in Charlotte uh, is when a lot of the stuff started filtering out. And I think in the beginning, people were just kind of, you know, shooing it away like, ah, oh, that's not going to happen. Then it just snowballed. And now Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. What, what are your uh, thoughts about this seismic move uh, to uh, college football perennial powerhouses moving into the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, it sure did change the mood at ACC Media Day, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very just quickly. <laughs> very quickly. I, 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 here's the deal. I, I was shocked at the timing uh, because, but we all knew the Big Twelve was headed for, you know, a turning point when their TV contract ran out, and that's in in 2025. So that's four years from now. I, I you know, so Texas and Oklahoma and SEC just got a, a jump on things, right? They went ahead and did it a little quicker than what maybe we all thought they would, but. At some point, that was all going to come to head to a head, and and now it is. So now we have to see what happens with the Big Twelve. Do they completely fall apart, and those you know other conferences gobble them up, and we have four sixteen-team conferences? That would seem the simplest thing, but it's not simple because the ACC is kind of in a little uh, a little situation too with Notre Dame because that's the that's the key to them getting the money they need to be a competitive conference with the SEC and the Big Ten. But Notre Dame is 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 convinced they don't need a conference for football, even though last year worked out well for them. Mm-hmm. It only entrenched them as an independent. So uh, I, I'm not sure where the ACC is going to go here. Are they going to keep knocking on that door with Notre Dame, or do you just quit playing footsie with him and move on to somebody else and get two more teams elsewhere? I don't know. And so yeah. that there's a lot of unknowns there. The the main problem is that Notre Dame has been uh, basically propped as a national power. Uh, Forever. So, like, when you look around, like, uh, who, what teams could you bring into the ACC that would actually uh, elevate the ACC? There's really only a handful of teams out there that would feasibly make sense. Of course, Notre Dame makes the most sense. They've got one foot in the door already. Um, right. But it, it feels like Notre Dame is either they, they love their independence so much they feel like they don't need it, like you said, or they're just not seeing far enough ahead because it, it does feel like we're moving towards some sort of um, super conference type of situation. What What did you think about the uh, the comments that Jay Billis had uh, last week about uh, once this first came out with Oklahoma and Texas that the first thing the ACC commissioner should have done was call the SEC commissioner and talk about a potential merger down the road? What, what were your thoughts on something like that, like a a super thirty two team mega conference that's SEC and ACC kind of sort of combined and everything? Yeah, I mean that's that's Jay thinking big, right? And, yeah, and thinking ten years down the road and saying this is inevitable, right? Um, the the Power Five are going to break off in the NCAA. Let's just do it all under the SEC umbrella. They seem to have they've gobbled up a lot of power, right? So just jump on with them and and and, and let's let's see where this goes. I mean, the, the the thought of the ACC and the SEC merging probably turns a lot of stomachs <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> College sports on both sides of it, right? The SEC says, "What do we need the ACC for? They're not any good." And the ACC says, "We don't want to be in bed with the SEC, you know, the academics and all that kind of stuff." So, yeah, um, it's interesting, but yeah, no, it's it's certainly worth talking about because if you think where college sports are going in the long run, that may be where we're going to be is is you know one big super conference uh, with all the the power schools. Do you think uh, one last question for you here, Steve, as we uh, wind down our ACC Big Four uh, previews, getting ready for the 2021 uh, football season, almost said spring football season there. Um, What are your thoughts 
on NIL and how it's going to affect really all this stuff that we're talking here, the, these, uh, the SEC expanding, uh, the NIL stuff that's going on now that we're seeing a lot of college players starting to, you know, secure some deals in terms of uh, locally, regionally, nationally. Um, do you think this is, are we watching the end of the NCAA? Like, are we going to look back five years from now and think, you know, right around that week, you know, when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC and NIL was exploding, like that was the moment when, uh, the, the NCAA's power, so to speak, started to crumble. Do you think that the NCAA is going to exist the way it does right now, five years from now? I, I don't. I really don't. And I think you're right that not only this week, but you know, this whole summer uh, with with the NIL passing and, and becoming a thing, and the Supreme Court case where Brett Kavanaugh just, in his opinion, just hammered the NCAA and opened the door for more lawsuits, more litigation to blow it up. And then now we have Mark Emmert and the NCAA um, hierarchy saying we're going to have this this meeting this this conference in in December to talk about what the what the future of the organization is. It's all coming to a head really quick here. And um, yeah, NIL you know changes everything. It really does. It means these kids can make money while they're in school, and so it's fair and. Derek Whitehead, if we go to basketball for a second, the dude, mm-hmm. dude got a commitment from him on, on Sunday yeah, uh, for 22. He had an offer, a half a million dollar offer from the G League and turned it down to come to Duke. Wow. Now, I don't know for sure that NIL had a role in that, but I have to think it could have, right? I mean, right, yeah. uh, he, he has an opportunity to make money at Duke and, and get the Duke experience and all that kind of stuff before he goes to the NBA instead of being in the G League and kind of playing off, off Broadway, right? Yeah. Um, th- that that can play a role in this now. So that certainly helps even things out for college sports. And I do think um, the blue bloods like Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, uh, and football, Alabama, um, Clemson, I think they're going to be able to really offer those brand names to really bring in those top recruits. I mean, they were already bringing in top recruits before NIL, but now, uh, especially like at Carolina, I saw, I think a week or two ago, they had established a new department that's going to be able to allow athletes to use the Carolina brand with other things and share and profiting or whatever. That's a recruiting tool. You know, that that's something where they literally have built a department that can project out how much you would make if you played at Carolina over a four year stretch, you know, if you hit these certain parameters and that's a new line of thinking that we weren't even on a year or two years ago. And I think places like Carolina and Duke uh, will be fine. Uh, in that aspect and actually great in terms of comparison to everyone else that's around them. So I think we are going to start seeing a separation here even more so than before in college football and basketball. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with the NCAA. Uh, they're not uh, everyone's favorite uh, uncle right now. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this plays out. Follow Steve's work at the Durham Health Sun at Steve Wiseman NC on Twitter. Uh, he is the beat writer for Duke, and we will definitely have him on throughout the college football season, checking in with those Blue Devils. Appreciate having you on, Steve. Thanks, Desmond. Always good to be with you. Coming up, more from franchise players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. franchise players here on your home for try sports uh tobacco road sports radio tobacco road sports radio.com uh i don't know if y'all know but we got some uh 
got some gear. We got some swag. If you want to go and purchase a, I don't know, a franchise player's hoodie or a, a Lava Brandon Blakeney T-shirt or you know something along those lines from the Score or the Pit Stop, uh, Fantasy Football Come Truth coming back here uh, in our fall schedule. Rod Show. Um, if you want to buy any of that stuff, go to Tobacco Road Sports Radio Store. Dot com go through the merchandise pick something else fancy for your for your wife or your husband or whoever the women's and, and men's gear women and men's gear and it's growing it's growing as we add additional shows and stuff and i'm probably gonna start putting some additional items in there and really start uh pumping that as we get into our fall schedule our fall season starts uh, the week of august 20th um lots of debuts new shows uh season premieres uh high school football starts that week uh, two weeks later, A&T football, uh, it's new home here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. That starts first week of September. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on over here at Tobacco Road, so hey. definitely check us out. Des, I got to say, I got to say real quick, I saw, I don't know who who's in charge of the East Side page, but I saw that talking already, the, the number one coach <laughs> show. I, I saw that. Oh, you saw that. You saw that, did you? I, I, I know Rod talking, because Rod ain't really on social media like I that. I missed that. I didn't see it. Who put that out? Uh, so I think I was putting out the promo pictures for uh, for all the shows last week, like an unveil mm-hmm. week. And uh, I put out the one for the Nest. I think it was on Instagram. And uh, I put out the one for Wes because I had to order new graphics because Coach Snow had a, a mask on in the, the season for season one. So I ordered, I ordered some new ones. They look really sweet. Shout out to Arthur Christakos for uh, handling a lot of the artwork for Tobacco Road. And um, put it on Instagram. East for Sifes, whoever's running East for Sifes football Instagram. Uh, what did they say, Brandon? Something about uh, it was something about, uh, <laughs> uh, the, something about the, the best no, is the best. The, y'all are the number two. The they were talking to Wes, like, oh, so congratulations to the number two coaches talk show in the country or in the, the county or something like that. Um, and then that, uh, Wes, that may have been Coach Bill. It probably was. I think I he just is. Couldn't believe they was on their line like that. I was <laughs> well, they weren't lying, but you whoever, know, whoever, I can't whoever, believe they put it on there. They were telling whoever, the truth, but I just can't believe they West put it on there. Whoever runs West for Sifeson though responded by saying that uh, you know that's up in the air, but they got a better haircut than whoever it is is running the East for Sifeson side. I think they probably thought it was Coach Willard running <laughs> the other side. So they're already going. It's August. It's first week of August, and they're already talking. Hey, they just hey, had their first practice this week. <laughs> so year one, already. we hit the ground running, baby. <laughs> yeah, Brandon is host of Titans Talk with head coach Adrian Snow. Uh, for West Forsyth football, that's Monday night, 7.30 live at Mossy's uh, Eats, Ales, and Spirits in Clemens. And, of course, Rod is the host of The Nest with head coach Todd Willard, East Forsyth football. That's Tuesday nights in our new location, J. Pepper Southern Grill, 7.30 p.m., Tuesday nights live. Uh, so, And then, of course, we have uh, Wednesday Night Lights hosted by me. Um, that's at Taste of the Triad, seven or 6.30 Wednesday nights, and that's our high school – huddle show with everything where we preview the upcoming games. We go over what happened last week, interviews with coaches and players. We are your home for high school uh, football coverage here in the triad. So definitely stick around. I, um, I know guys that uh, we're in the middle of NBA free agency and yeah, I know the Hornets, uh, they ended up doing a sign and trade, uh, getting Devonte Graham down he in New Orleans. Paid. Yeah. He got paid. He got like 47 million, I think over like uh, four years mm-hmm. and uh, the Hornets get a first round pick. It's lottery protected coming back, but the fact that Mitch Kupchak was able to flip a second round pick of Devontae Graham from a couple of years ago into a first round pick now, it just shows that I trust them in the draft and everything they're doing. I love what they did in the draft this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Malik Monk, I just saw sign with the Lakers. 
which I think I mentioned it on the show last week. That Monk will be perfect with the Lakers. Now, I didn't realize the Lakers are going to sign everybody. <laughs> they went that's out and signed like dudes. That's what it feels like. I'll tell you, man, like you said, that's, I really, really like what the Hornets did in the draft, especially yeah. that Ty Jones pick, man. Like, yeah, that, you were talking big. about him. Yeah, you were talking about him beforehand. Mm-hmm. I had a couple other uh, Hornet uh, experts that mentioned Ty Jones. And for them to get him – with they traded uh, this is what i loved about the hornets they traded back into the first mm-hmm. you'll get kai jones because he was dropping because they were going to oh. get him at 11 and then they got the kid from yukon uh that can shoot he's Oof, basically, nah. yeah he's just the upgrade of malik monk really uh i mean oh, absolutely. He's the same guy, but i think he can score a little better kai jones still sitting there they traded back up to was it like 19 i think it was and uh and got kai jones so they're, they're building a young squad like it feels like they're starting to build around Lamelo. I, I think too, man. I knew we all we had all kind of assumed that Malik Monk was gone even before the season was over. Just you know how things were set up, but I think it was yeah. official when they got Boot Night. And I don't think they're gonna miss Malik Monk, man. Like I watched a lot of UConn because of Boot Night, and that kid is special. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna miss Monk. I think maybe Graham. They might miss Graham more than they did uh, Monk, or more than they will Monk. But it felt like I mean we watched it. They had a they had a log jam at the two position. Uh, and the one really uh, with the Hornets, and they had to get rid of two guys, and it was going to probably be those two. They're going to roll with Lamelo and uh, this uh, Boat Night kid from uh, UConn. We'll see what happens there. I saw but, Cody Zeller's out of there too now. Yeah, Zeller gone. I don't think they're going to resign Bismack unless he just comes back hat in hand, and nobody wanted him. Uh, they got some young centers between this Kai Jones guy. People forget they drafted Vernon Carey last year and Nick Richards from Kentucky. They've got young dudes that can play down in the post. I wanted them to get Dayron Sharp. Like I yeah, wanted, like late in first, good. you know, Dayron Sharp, Vernon Carey in three years with Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges, yeah. that that's a problem in the East. That would be that would be fun to watch, but they didn't get him, and uh, Dayron ended up with the Brooklyn Nets, which is a good segue to what I wanted to talk about in this segment. Um, the biggest move was the Lakers acquiring Russell Westbrook from uh, the Washington Wizards <laughs> and creating another big three for LeBron. This time, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Uh, the dude has averaged a triple double three of the past four seasons. He's granted he's been on like three teams in the past three seasons. Yeah, but I I didn't want to talk so much about what the Lakers are going to do. We got plenty of time for that. <laughs> I wanted to start talking about what in your mind constitutes naming a team a super team because I see this thrown around on social media all the time. Oh, they're building a super team. This is a super team. That's a super team. But then no one's ever really laid out the guidelines of what makes a super team. And I have my opinion of what I think a Super Bowl or a super team is. I want to hear from you guys first, to, just to get an idea of what you what you think a Super Bowl or I keep saying Super Bowl, what you think a super team is in the NBA. Uh, Rod, let's start with you. What, what when you hear super team, what do you think? Uh, yeah, when I hear super team, man, the first thing I think of is at least three players on that team who are in their prime. And they're probably going to be Hall of Famers, which means that they're probably top 15 players in the league at that moment. So that is pretty much is my definition of a super team, because that means that you can have an elite player, Hall of Famer, who's going to be on the floor for your team and possibly two at all times from A to Z, from first quarter to fourth quarter. That is what my mind says a super team is. I could be wrong, but that's just what I think a super no, team is. I, absolutely. I was going to say, I'm kind of on the same boat. I think if you have two guys that are top 10 
top 15 in the league. I know the big you, you try to establish a big three, but I think if you got two top 10, two top 15 guys on the same team, um, you, you're knocking on the door for a super team, especially if you you look at like uh, the Warriors a couple years ago. You got two guys that have won MVPs. Um, I think that, that that's a big indicator as well. Um, you look at the Nets with KD and uh, James Harden, two guys on a team that have led the league in scoring and are probably the top in their position and have MVPs. So that's what I look at. You got two top 10, two top 15 players on the same team going at it. So, okay. So th- those are similar to what I consider uh, a super team. Um, for me, it's always been a super, a, a quote unquote super team is a team that has three players on it that are top 20 in the league that conspired to get together. They weren't put together by a front office. Uh, they're probably friends. It's been like a couple years in the making, and they they combine forces to become a super team. So if you use that as the definition, it takes some teams that you might want to call a super team because they were really good teams. You can't call them a super team. So like, for example, the 1996 Chicago Bulls. I don't consider them a super team. You know what I mean? Like they were built by Jerry Krause, and it, they went 72 and 10, won, won the world championship, all considered one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the, but I don't consider them a super team. Well, would y'all consider the Boston Celtics that won the title a super team? The uh, the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. Uh, yeah, Paul I mean, Pearson? I don't know if those guys were. KG was probably top 20, maybe Paul. Yeah, Pierce. KG was top 20 then. And so was, yeah, Ray Allen was probably borderline. If He was probably right outside the top 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they didn't conspire, though, did they? Well, oh, absolutely. They, they kind of did, but really that was built by Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale. Like they conspired. Yeah. Like Kevin McHale was the GM for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. Ainge was the GM for the Celtics. You know, McHale's got, you know, a green heart. He's going they they decided when Kevin Garnett said he wanted out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. McHale decided he was going to send him to Boston. <laughs> like he wasn't going to go no place else but Boston. Right. And Ainge and him made that work. Kept Pierce there. And then they, and then Ainge made the trade for for Allen. So, not by my definition would they be a super team, um, but like the Miami Heat, the Heatles, they are they are the definition of a super team. Like three guys that conspired to come together, uh, you know, years in advance, and are top twenty in the league at the time. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, like that's a super team to me. Okay, or your Brooklyn Nets are a super Brooklyn team. Nets right now. That's a super team well, to me. So, so what about even with the with the Lakers? Kareem leaves and joins Magic Johnson. They kind of conspired that. See, I don't consider that a super team because Magic was drafted by the Lakers. He didn't choose to go there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I have to like put these like bylines in it to make it where that's this is what I was saying. Like, because you could say the Showtime Lakers. I mean, they were in like eight of the ten finals in the eighties. Right. But I can't. I don't want to call them a super team because it wasn't like Magic, Worthy, and Kareem were like you know let's group together. And form Voltron and, and just run these boys. Worthy was drafted. The Lakers just had incredible luck drafting and doing deals. Worthy was a number one overall pick by the Lakers right. after a, a national championship. Magic was a number one overall pick after they had, I think they had fleeced the Cavaliers or somebody for pick. Yeah. Uh, and then they were still able to sneak in Sam Perkins in there. Sam Perkins. Right. Uh, I mean, they they just, Kareem, Kareem came in an era where. Uh, you you really couldn't leave your team until your team was done with you, and he just basically forced himself out of Milwaukee, right. and he wanted to go to LA because he went to UCLA, and right. at the time, right. race relations were better on the left coast. Uh, he was more familiar there, or he wanted to go to New York because that's where he was from. So uh, I wouldn't call them one. I wouldn't call 
the late 90s Houston Rocket team that had Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Scottie Pippen, I wouldn't call them a super team because that was – they didn't conspire to do it, and they were at the end of their careers. Like, Pippen wasn't a top 20 player right. then. Neither was Barkley. Uh, Olajuwon probably still was, but it was Absolutely. really name only, you know. Um, so that brings me to this this Laker team because I didn't consider a, just AD and LeBron. I didn't consider them a super team. I don't oh, consider man. duos as super teams. And last year, remember everybody was clicking up with just in duos like Paul George and Russell Westbrook or yep. AD and and, uh, and LeBron. Um, I mean, and and I was happy with that. Now they're kind of going back to this three three star model like uh, like Brooklyn. Brooklyn was set up like Brooklyn. We all knew Kyrie. And Kevin Durant wanted to play together. And they, yeah. they basically conspired to make that happen over a two-year period. And it's not like they don't know James Harden. They've played three Olympic cycles with the dude. And and Durant used to be his teammate for four years. So, I mean, I consider Brooklyn a definite super team. Uh, but going off this definition, this Laker team that's about to take the floor would be a super team, right? Because they have – Oh yeah. I mean – AD, LeBron, and Westbrook, would you consider those three top 20 players currently for that season? I mean, that they're they're two top 10 guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think they're Hall of Famers. So, yeah. I mean, I you know, yeah. that's my definition. If you're in your prime, it's three of them and you're a Hall of Famer. That's my, you know, I definition try, of super to, team. I try to separate when the players do it and when the front office does it. Cause like, we didn't even hear the term super team until Miami, really. I mean, even with the Celtics big three, we didn't consider them a super team. Yeah. Once Miami did what they did and it was, it was how they did it. You know, it was the way that they kind of literally Pat Riley just cleared the whole sheet of, of money and made it where, okay, I can get three max guys, especially if two take a little bit less. And, and that, and then they just sprinkled veteran minimum contracts around them. But I'm going to tell you what, man, they, the Lakers have some pretty good one deal. Well, one year yeah. deal players coming yeah. up. I mean, you're talking about, they're going to have Trevor Ariza coming over. I love Trevor. Ariza. They're going to have Dwight Howard coming over. Loved him. Last they're going to have Baysmore coming yep. over. I sure. mean, the uh, Lakers, dude. Wayne Ellington. Ellington, uh, that's right. I forgot about him. Shooting, uh, Malik Monk's on today. Uh, so they'll have shooting with him. Uh, Westbrook, I mean, playmaker. I mean, that was what they were missing when they lost Rondo this past year. They needed somebody that could make plays while LeBron's on the bench. They just mm-hmm. signed another guy, though, that's going to kind of clog the floor a bit. I think it was a great pickup, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I would have preferred them to get Kyle Lowry in that situation. Oh, what, over Westbrook? Absolutely. Ooh. That's all. Oh, I didn't even mention uh, Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carmelo just came, didn't he? Yeah, he signed a one-year uh, deal yeah. also. So it, it sets it up where uh, they can run this this year, and then literally half the roster is just not going to be there anyway. Um, so they'll have money for next year. To figure out what they want to do, LeBron and AD are locked up for the next three years. They just signed extensions in the offseason last year. Um, I'm oh Kendrick Nunn. They signed Kendrick Nunn. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so they got what is happening? Like, how do the I mean, Lakers have all this money? Well, yeah, they got a heck of a supporting cast. They're, they're giving away one year deals, though. Yeah, I was gonna right. say they're, they're giving away minimum deals. So, okay, here it is: Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Tucker. And they re-signed Taylor Horton Tucker on a three-year deal. They already have AD. They already have Westbrook. 
they already have LeBron. Is, are the Lakers the favorite? They, I mean, they cleared a lot of space. They I mean, I'm Russo and, yeah. and then not signing, uh, oh boy, uh, Schroeder, Schroeder, or whatever. Oh, Schroeder, yeah. I mean, that's a huge contract. He was getting almost 20 mil a year. I thought they were gonna make maybe Mac McClung the rookie they signed. And oh, uh, that's right, they did sign him. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's probably gonna fill in for Caruso. I didn't know if they're gonna make him slap box for that one spot or what. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun to watch. I'd watch that uh, if, they, if they decide to do that. I'm looking at this Laker roster. I'm feeling it. I like it. I like it. It feels like all the needs they needed. They needed size. They needed to be able to rebound. They needed to play defense, protect the rim, and they needed to shoot. They needed shooters, and they got they got some snipers on here. Yeah, uh, I mean, they should make it to the finals if they stay healthy. It'll be between the Lakers and either the Nets in Milwaukee or Milwaukee. I kind of want Nets-Lakers because it writes itself, really. I mean, you're going to have – Kevin Durant on one side, Russell Westbrook on the other. You're going to have LeBron James on one side, Kyrie Irving on the other. It's East Coast, West Coast. It's the Lakers. Brooklyn trying to make a name for themselves. You, you got storylines all up and down uh, if, if they end up meeting each other. So I'm I think Brooklyn kind of feels like the favorite if they, if they can stay healthy and, and build that. Yeah. I mean, they had a good draft as well. Yeah, 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 they did. Like I said, I like the Dayron pick. Uh, that's Brooklyn's question. Can they stay healthy? Because honestly, all three of their big three had injuries uh, this past year and missed considerable time. And really, honestly, no Kyrie. Or was yeah. it James Harden? One of them that missed well, the Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie. Kyrie missed the majority of the playoffs. Yeah. But I think it's big. And, and Kyrie seems like he's kind of at the point where he could retire next year. And people may not be surprised. He's kind of. Not saying he's not committed 100 to basketball, but I feel like you know you you never know with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a guy that still thinks the earth is flat. <laughs> I don't think he ever pulled back from that either. So mm-hmm. I've never really. Kyrie's just Kyrie. I, I don't I don't respect Brooklyn because they have the three dudes on the team that I've talked the most smack about in the NBA over the past like four seasons. I mean, you, you, we all are on record. Well, other than uh, Brandon, in terms of talking about Kevin Durant, he still stands up for him, but. We don't really greatest score we've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not. I'm just gonna leave that hanging in the air. Um, and then Brandon is smoking something. It's okay. Brandon has <laughs> seen some bodies today. He's mine. Kyrie Irving seems like he's always hurt or something going on, or he's taking a break or waving some sage or something. Like he's got something going on all the time, taking days off in the season. I'm like, bro, you got half a year where you ain't doing nothing. Like you got to take a day off, like just to have a mental health day. Like I. I understand it, but I don't understand it. You're making like $40 million, you know, to play basketball. And then James Harden, I think James Harden's prime was in Houston. I think we're about to see the decline of James Harden. He changed his game for Brooklyn. Pretty yeah. He finished second in assist, became that main facilitator. I forgot that he could actually do that because in Houston, it was just, you know, we joke about it all the time, dribble, 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 step back, shoot. That's pretty much what it was in Houston. And to the point where Westbrook, who teamed up with him, wanted to be traded out because he didn't want to play with him anymore because of the way that Houston played. Um, and that wasn't just Harden. That was the whole team. Westbrook was on record. There was a couple things he didn't like about the Rockets, how they would basically yeah, cater Mike, to James Harden. Dan Tony was, you know, part of a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that stuff, so that's there too. So if they run across the, the nets and the, the finals, you know, you got that OKC dynamic, you know, Harden and Durant versus Westbrook. Uh, you know, all three of them have won MVPs. I'm mean, everybody in this whole other than AD and uh Kyrie 
have won MVP award like that, man, Lakers Nets would be it. But of course, we won't get that because we won't be so lucky. So we'll we got a year to go to get there. But I wanted to talk about super teams. And I just didn't know if you guys were on the same wavelength. You kind of are. It feels like you got a little bit more leeway when it comes to like if a GM put them together as opposed to themselves. Well, for me, it's the same what we said. Well, for honestly, for me, I just feel like if you got two top 10, top 15 guys, then, you know, you so for you, you'll like two. You only yeah, need I two. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Honestly, I, you know, um, I think, yeah, if you've got two guys that are the top in their positions in, in that respect, I think so. But so, I think the culture is different, too. Like we didn't see guys, like you said, um, really mingling and t- yeah. yeah click up it's just the culture of the the league has really changed in my opinion and honestly that's because of the olympics the, if the if they hadn't started letting nba players play on the men's olympic team then these guys wouldn't be friends like oh they, i mean it know? starts earlier than that i mean you got these usa team camps these guys are teaming yeah. up in these all these elite camps I mean, Michael Porter Jr. and Trey Young played AAU together. Zion and, and yeah. John Morant. You know, these they, guys are just always together. They're wired a little different, too, than, like, stars from, like, the 90s. Like, the 92 Dream Team, those dudes wanted to kill each other. And so they played on yeah. the Dream Team together. You know, like, Patrick Ewan, David Robinson, Barkley, Jordan, Magic, Bird. All them dudes, they – Magic and Bird didn't want to play on the same team with each other. They wanted to beat each other. Oh, Jordan, Jordan – Oh, and they that. did in practice. Absolutely. The practices yeah, yeah. they had were crazy I, for them. I just yeah. can't believe nobody recorded those practices, man. So, oh, they man. have some on tape. There's a little bit. Some on tape. If you yeah. go on YouTube, the uh, the 92 Dream Team documentary, the movie is on there if you Google it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it's about an hour and a half long, but it's got some stuff. I forgot. It's got some stuff in there. Like, I forgot uh, the college team that beat them. Yeah. And the that Bobby Hurley and Chris mm-hmm. Weber on it. And uh, Coach K said that, you know, Chuck Daly let them win to prove a point. He, <laughs> like, he didn't really play Jordan that much in the game. The subs were weird. Uh, he didn't really do much to stop runs or anything. And then and they lost. And they took the score off the scoreboard before the press came in. The next day, they ran it back. And they played Jordan, like, regular minutes. And it, the outcome was uh, completely different. <laughs> so, oh. it's, I mean, it just goes to show. But if if they didn't start putting those guys in there, like NBA guys, where they got to spend two mm-hmm. weeks with each other, like in a foreign country, uh, Miami doesn't happen. Brooklyn doesn't happen. This Laker team don't happen right now because they, all these guys play together on the Olympics. Like, well, I'll tell you what, too, though. They, I mean, it, it kind of ha- – I feel like it kind of has to be that way with these guys, too, even like you see at the – I was at in Charlotte for All Star Weekend. Like even there's recruiting happening there where these guys are hanging out and you know mm-hmm. going out together. Yo, that it that came out that uh, Russell Westbrook had been talking to AD and LeBron for mm-hmm. the past two weeks, three weeks yep. or whatever, just kind of hashing out. You know, if I came to LA, what would our roles be? What would we mm-hmm. need to do? Uh, LeBron offered to move back to the four. AD offered to move to the five. I mean, uh-huh. they, yep. they really feel like they can put this together and work, and they played on the Olympic teams together. LeBron yep. was on the past four cycles. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, too. Years these, these summer leagues, too, like a lot of these guys work out together and have the same trainers and stuff yep. like that, too, during the summertime. So it's gonna be it's gonna be something. It's gonna be interesting. I, I don't I'm I don't subscribe to the whole it's ruining the NBA or anything. Actually, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. Normally, I don't look forward to the next NBA Finals. You know, two weeks after the last one just ended. Like I'm in football mode usually right now, but I'm sitting here looking at NBA free agency and like NBA Center trying to be like the NFL. They're trying to be like year round, like just yeah. 
have stories out there about what's going on and i'm here for it so we'll see but uh you know i don't know if we got a definitive answer on super teams but a little bit more clarity on it but uh we gotta take a quick break franchise players in the house here on tobacco road sports radio tobacco road sports radio.com 